Hello and welcome to Hyped, the podcast for the culturally curious that shines a light on the... Now I can't even remember the intro, Tom. <laughs> Doing it script free on the, on the, on the theatre and television and Cultural all the art form, cultural phenomena of the day. See, we're doing this in a completely new format. Um, but uh, we're, we're hastening to it because uh, Zoe might be about to have a life change on Friday <laughs> in the form of a new arrival. Um, but we also crammed in a, a visit to a production of Macbeth, which has Ray Fiennes in it. Um, and it feels like the last in quite a long line of celebrity Macbeth, suddenly there's been a rash of Hamlets, there's been a rash of Measure for Measures, and now there's a rash of Macbeths. And so we want to talk about that. Uh, and we're then going to move on to talk about a very strange, but I think uh, interesting modern pairing in the form of succession. So, you know Tom, but he's going to introduce himself anyway. Okay, so I'm Tom Stammers. Uh, I'm a cultural historian. Uh, I'm a historian of France. Zoe and I have been doing this for a long time. Ever since Robert the Bruce was king of Scotland, it feels like we've been doing this. Um, so yeah, this Macbeth production is is currently in London in Canary Wharf. No, sorry, in Canary Wharf, in Canada Water, in an old dock building. And it's, it's also touring around Britain in other kind of warehouses. And that's significant because it's an attempt to try and do an immersive production. And we might reflect on like whether it managed to immerse anybody in it or whether it felt a bit too actually kind of artificial, the attempt to create an environment. Uh, before you go into your seats in the theatre, you go through a kind of blasted wasteland, which is basically a foyer. There's a foyer with some bits of debris. With some burning in, cars. With some burning cars, like vaguely Mariupolish that you walk through. And then you're in the, in the heart of this old industrial building. Um, but actually, other than that, I didn't feel it was particularly immersive. There was a little bit of decor outside, but the staging was quite classic. And what's striking about it being an industrial building, it was also quite drab, I would yeah. say. So this was yeah. a very sombre, lots yeah. of concrete, lots of um, combat fatigues. Mm. Um, it said it reminded me of a little bit of like Balkans in the 90s vibe. Yeah, that it was the aesthetic. But, but Tom, I want to, before we go in onto the, the production, because obviously most people won't um, be able to see it. And by the way, it, it is and has been massively sold out yes. and it was in Liverpool before. So it's not a minor production. Obviously, it has Ray fines. But why do you think we've hit upon this Macbeth trend? Why are there so many Macbeths at the moment? I think it's about, so I think there's been two or three important Macbeths in recent years. In fact, Zoe and, and I, we may even have done a hyped on one of them, the Shawsha Ronan, yes. James McArdle, yes. Yael Farber Macbeth that I thought was particularly amazing that happened during COVID. Um, I think partly because people are interested in the dark Shakespeare's at the moment. I think it's, it's interesting. You said Measure for Measure as well, Zoe. Obviously, Lear is having a moment. Mm -hmm. I think people, I think the comedies are a bit less popular than they were. I think people often think that they're rather kind of flimsy. And people like the dark vehicles, maybe because they want Shakespeare to be a kind of, uh, uh, a kind of writer for dealing with the traumas and the horrors of, the, of a much more anxious 21st century. And so I think it's about that. I think it's also about a vehicle for men. I think it's interesting that there's a kind That's of new generation of male actors, mm. possibly, that, you know, Macbeth is one of those ways of really testing yourself with. Um, and I think it's about, I mean, what else do we think? I think the supernatural. I think we're also living in an era where the Gothic, obviously, is having a big comeback and people like fantasy and magic and the supernatural. And there's a kind of dorky quality with Macbeth, maybe, that's popular That's too. interesting. It's like almost like a Harry Pottery, wizardy, moving on to witchy. It's a witchy. Wi witchy, <laughs> surreal, pagan-y. Correct. That, 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 that's, maybe that's it. Because, you know, there are other uh, plays that are completely neglected. I mean, there. I think I've maybe seen one Titus Andronicus. Yeah, I've um, seen one Troilus, which is one of my, we to me, the very finest Troilus. Shakespeare's Troilus. What a tragedy. It's astonishing. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's so interesting. 
uh, compared to Macbeth, in my opinion. <laughs> so, okay, I think, yeah, I think the vehicle for men thing is actually, I think we are in a kind of quite masculinist, mm. performative age. And um, the anti-hero, wanting the kind of, yes. the, the battle-scarred man, yes. the man yes. of the kind of terrible but by, that, but by that token, have we been through an Othello phase? We, there was a really important National Theatre Othello last year that I thought was great. but And I think Othello will always remain relevant at the moment because of race. You know, mm. people are fascinated by kind of the, 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 the racial dynamics in the play, so it keeps coming back. But in both, you know, you could say people are fascinated by race, and this is this long-running debate I've had forever, which is that I still think the master category is gender. Yeah. And in both cases, the men are spurred to act mm. in, in terrible ways by women, in a way. Although, you know, Desdemona is not yes. our fault. But Lady Macbeth, it is her fault. But in both cases, it's like the woman behind the man. Mm. And, uh, you know, I suppose Gertrude does a similar thing in Hamlet. But Hamlet strikes me as a, so much more of an ambiguous and interesting play because every time I see or read Hamlet, I think, oh, this could go any which way. Mm. And I'm always surprised the way it ends. Yes. Macbeth... And Hamlet himself is surprised by the way that it goes. Yes. I mean, the fascinating sort of... thing about Hamlet is he's also, he himself isn't aware of his destiny and is constantly kind of flummoxed by yeah. what he's been presented right. with. Yeah. There's, there are these sorts of radically changing states of consciousness and self-awareness and like meta awareness yes. of the meta reality in Hamlet and I think to, to be clear you know and then we'll zoom in on the production but I I've always admired Macbeth for you know obviously the language is incredible yeah. some of some the of the themes, best some of the some best, of the, best. Yeah. the themes are are interesting about you know destiny and and agency yeah and time and to t- come back to you know that that wonderful Yael yeah. Farber production had the you know the ticking clock there was this yeah. real sense of you know, on and on to the last syllable of recorded time, you yeah. did feel this strange sense of propulsion. That and also the time is sick. Yes, um, exactly. You know, the sense of being imprisoned in time. Yeah. But when I watch Macbeth, I feel imprisoned in Macbeth because mm. it's just, it is just this hermeneutically sealed tragedy, which ha- which is also why I don't really enjoy the Greek ones because yeah. there's a sort of sense of like inexorability. Yeah. And, and to me, that basically renders the play boring from the start because there's no yes. wiggle room. We know exactly what's going to happen. We know when it's going to happen. We're going to know why it's happened. And we're going to know it's absolutely to- horrible. And there's no, there's nothing else. There's this kind of Greek relentlessness to the bitter end. Yes. And I do think that there's a fascination with power and everything else. But did you think that that came through in interesting ways at all in this production? I would say this production doesn't have any interesting view. I mean, it has no point of view. I don't really think the director had worked out what he wanted to say about Macbeth or why Macbeth was an urgent play for today. I feel it was it was a vehicle for him. And Ray Fiennes, obviously, as a, as a grand Shakespearean actor, and you could hear him enjoying his vowels and enjoying his diction, but he does deliver it in quite a natural way. I think, you know, you see an actor who it's completely effortless, the intonation. I mean, it's sometimes very histrionic. There are moments of, like, staginess, but his ease with the language is palpable. Like, he's not, he's not phased by it. And I thought she was also incredible. Indira Varma, in this production, actually, was a very no-nonsense Lady Macbeth. I quite liked how pragmatic she was. She wasn't some sort of... Uh, vixen, you know, she wasn't a sort of she-wolf. She just saw an opportunity and she pushed it and she was extremely uh, impatient. She was a kind of careerist, basically, rather than a kind of than a monster. How would you, Tom, have made a production of Macbeth speak more to the present moment? Uh, speak more to the present moment, that's interesting. I think you always think you can do things with Malcolm. Mm. And you know, it's very, an un, you know, it's, a, it's, it's the bit of the play that nobody really cares Explain about. Explain to us but, who Malcolm is. So Malcolm is the heir of Duncan. So obviously Duncan is the king that Macbeth kills. Malcolm is the heir. Um, And in most productions, like in this production, all of the Malcolm scenes are massively squished and reduced because modern audiences are also impatient with Shakespeare. They don't want it to overstay its welcome. In this production, also no porter, 
revealing, you know, the comic character of Macbeth also extracted. So it's all very lean. Um, makes me think a little bit of that Kenneth Branagh leer that happened last year, down to two hours. So you just take out half the play, basically, to just have it kind of punchy, which I think you lose so much of the, say, the texture that work? of this. No. If you go to Shakespeare, do you kind of just have to sign up for four hours? You've got to sign up for what is a long, complicated Baroque drama. Like, get you know, buckle yourself in mm. for, for a kind of convoluted set of kind of propositions in a way. So, yes, I think, I think Malcolm is an interesting character because, and people often forget this, he makes quite clear that when people come to him and say, will you lead the resistance to Macbeth? You know, will you be the, the person who will write the order in the land? He has this very interesting speech where he says, I'm even more kind of despicable. You know, that I'm more vicious than Macbeth. I also am riddled with vices. So there is a sense of a whole kingdom of men who are incompetent or morally incontinent or, you know, depraved. And I always think that kind of there's something about these other flawed, failed men that should be, in a way, characters that are as big as Macbeth. And I think the problem about, exactly as you're saying, Zoe, is by pairing it all back, you have it all riveted on Macbeth and Lady Macbeth. And we know that story. We've seen that story a hundred times. And having doing more with the other men would be one way to explore some of these other kind of dynamics. Seeing as we obviously well. are interested in men at the moment. I mean, yeah. Oppenheimer hoovered up the... Uh, the BAFTAs and, and, you know, we're going to talk about succession. Just like <laughs> Which I know you think is just a masculinist. I do. I think it's, it's dreadful. Um, yes. and, uh, and so, but, but I think like, you know, for me, the plays that are by far and away more interesting, including, um, I think it's much to do about nothing that has Rosalind, isn't it? Or is that Twelfth Night? No, that's As You Like It. No, sorry. No, 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 no. Yeah, that's, Rosalind is As You Like It. Yeah. Um, so for me, the, Beatrice the, is much too yeah, nothing. Yeah. Wonderful, yeah, especially Emma Thompson as Beatrice. Um, but the 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 plays that in which there are women who have more, there are more than one. There's woman, more than one woman, and she's and, not evil. And they're not a witch, and they're not. Yeah, like Gertrude is an interesting character. Mm. Ophelia is an interesting character. Um, even in Lear, like the daughters are all very oh, interesting. Superb. And you can play them in lots of different ways, the daughters. Right. Yeah. And, 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 and yeah, and it measure for measure, obviously extremely interesting. Yeah. Um, and, and a lot of, a lot of the other plays that are either problem plays, I mean, The Winter's Tale, super um, interesting. Superb. superb. And then, Hermione play, and Paulina, Hermione, both but, amazing. But those plays have sort of fallen out of, and Mopsy and Flopsy or whatever. The, <laughs> but those, we are not seeing those plays so much. The Winter's Tale was popular for a while. There was a kind of yes. problem play moment. But we're not seeing that. We're seeing men and power. Yeah. Men and power. But do you men think that's also a commercial imperative, dare I say? It might be because it's, that you say, people like a kind of male hero. Is it also because they think, if we're going to put Shakespeare on, we've got to put Shakespeare on that people know they like. So we've got to give well, them. But it's interesting, Men of Power, it's interesting, Player Kings is the other big Shakespeare that's coming this spring, which is Ian McKellen doing Henry the Fourth Part One. Right. And again, the history plays are all about maleness. Men, They're men, about men and, and, power. and it's about that's these it. great RSC patriarchs, yeah. you know, which will lead us neatly onto succession in a minute. But who are the RSC dames that we're seeing fronting major Shakespeare plays? Like, where are they? I think we're in a kind of transition point where there's a generation of dames uh, that are revered. And clearly there are many brilliant new actresses coming forward, but at the moment they're not fronting these big productions. No, no. instead right we're, we're seeing Ray Fiennes, we're seeing Ian McKellen, we're yes. seeing David Tennant, I suppose, we're seeing Brian yeah. Cox. Yeah. But we're not seeing, you know, who, who, yeah, who are their 60-something equivalents among women? The, the women yes. are older, as you say. So, I, yeah, it's, and I wonder if there's also something about the interest in staging these things now... Uh, to do with like Putin and Trump and there, yes. there is a bit of a rise of the strong man and the kind of grapple yes. for power but 
didn't get the sense with this production. No. And sometimes with theatre in general, there's a very intelligent thinking through of no, the No, there's not really a thinking through. There's yeah. a sense on, like, effect. I mean, there's a sort of interest in, like, visually how something works or effect, but I didn't feel that it had a kind of conceptual hold. So to me, this production, I think this, this is the last interesting point I want to make about this, is that it had a certain kind of, like, Disney-ish feel. So it felt like it was, it was in this, like, temporary cool space in Canada mm. water with these big security guys guarding it they didn't let you out and as soon as you walked in there was just this like really yeah, you did try to leave it I did try to get a crap. Um, and there's just like this cavernous space with no seats and mm. like makeshift toilets and a bar that doesn't have anything nice in it <laughs> and it's all dark and it's hectic yeah. and it's cold and then you walk you felt like you're in a bad nightclub yeah you felt like you're in a bad nightclub and it was all very and the seats were incredibly uncomfortable and it was yes. um, but but it had the, but it, the marketing you know there were slogans everywhere huge capital letters saying you know with little bits quotes from Macbeth and they were trying to almost make it a product like brand yeah. Macbeth. Well, it had a logo when you walked yeah. in it had that kind of yes. offensive m for Macbeth. exactly kind of, and it yeah. had a few so, so it was obviously trying to do something to make Macbeth sort of tiktoky yes or something but it did make me think again this is a question i'm always saying hmm. are we just like losing the, are we is this society drifting ever further from being able to actually be sit down and be a proper shakespeare audience are we stripping the experience so much that it has to just be like a cool sh- well i say cool more like a shitty nightclub experience uncomfortable seats all about the branded booze the branded theater the yeah. canada water as a location the experience the experience Thank well you. and that's what i mean there have been it makes me think about the the kind of been they've been positive immersive productions like the incredible midsummer night's dream at the bridge a couple of years ago which was like a party but again it was all about getting audience members to like take part and you know this sort of participatory like festival vibe for Shakespeare you know is interesting and it is releasing new kind of energies and the globe is often trying to do that kind of work but you're right to say how much of it is about a deep understanding of the play or a different way of understanding the text there I'm less but is anyone even capable of understanding Shakespeare when they just hear it without having studied the texts and are people I don't know what curricula I think they do have to still study Shakespeare in school but I mean even I mean I always struggle I can barely understand any Shakespeare unless I know the play inside and out so what are we go- what are we going through the motions of this for? Why are all these people there? Is it really because they enjoy Shakespeare or is it because it's like you want to say you've been to Macbeth with Ray Fiennes? I don't know. I think the second is powerful, but I also think there is a sense that Shakespeare's still the gold standard and people feel, even if it's not good, they feel like they're having the kind of theatre distilled and it's like most in a rarefied form, like, and having Shakespeare with Ray Fiennes, as you say, is, is, a, is a high bar. Tell you what I'd like to see, they haven't, I have never seen it staged. Extremely interesting play, and why is it not done? King John. Give me a revelatory King John where I come out and I think, wow. Haven't even heard of it. Yeah, who knew John is in there? One of the, one of the lesser known ones, but very rarely done, but it'd be very interesting. Like, it's some, let's do some Henry VI again. They were done very successfully 10 years ago. Let's get them back. They're fantastically interesting. Is that because plays. there's doubts over the authorship? Sometimes it's doubts of authorship. Sometimes it's just, I think it is box office. That's what I yeah. think. I think it's actually, it's a harder sell. You know, Cymbeline. I think we think, I we know, know he wrote Pericles. it. Pericles. I mean, give us a new way of thinking, wow, this is a kind of understudied gem. Like, find See, a way to bring were, that to life. I thought people weren't sure if he wrote those two. Uh, or you think there's a, I think there's a middle to creeping with, in. With, some with Cymbeline and Pericles. Tom, it just re- strikes me, you said something interesting when we uh, walked out about how the problem with sh- watching the productions like this is that people are so keen to laugh. Yeah, I think that's also true. People, London audiences want a kind of jolly night out. And so you give them any excuse for humour. 
and they and they take it and i think this production played up to that you know there were these ironic moments you know twas a rough night was played in a, in like deadpan way that got a laugh which is fine but if you're also trying to give a sense of impending dread as you say that claustrophobic sense of evil closing in you can't be laughing every five ten minutes that's that's not going to work um, the one other thing I'd say, the other weakness of this production, Zoe, and I think you agreed, the weird sisters Ugh. were not very weird. They weren't weird. weird. They were just street. <laughs> exactly. They were straight from a bus stop yeah. somewhere, in, somewhere in Surrey Keys. Yeah, exactly. They just walked in. No, they were, they were played. It was a production that was also so uninterested in the supernatural, mm. which is the weird thing. Despite our witchy moment, they didn't want any black magic. So but they did felt, have ghosts. They had a look. Yeah, but you can't get away from those bits of the play. But it, no, it, it felt like they didn't lean into or enjoy that stuff particularly. So, no. well, it didn't fit with the nineties Balkan look. It didn't. It didn't fit with the. Yeah. So, so well, let's squirrel our way over to um, Succession, which obviously is won BAFTAs and Emmys and Golden Globes. You take what. them all back. You'd oh, strip. I hate! I forced myself to give it a chance. I watched. Judas You're about a year all, late, Zilbo. No, I mean, more than a year. It, 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 2018, they started. Oh, of course, but series. Like, yeah, last but I started from okay. the beginning. Um, that's how dutiful I am, and I just, oh, I just, and and talk about hyped. I mean, Succession has been so hyped. It I believe the hype. As, I do think it's oh, exemplary. Tom, this why? is where there's a, why? There's a there's but, a but the reason the, the link we're making here is it Shakespearean? Is that it wants to be Shakespearean? There are Shakespearean attributes to it. It's also as bland in its milieu as this particular production mm. of Macbeth. It is the landscape of corporate. Uh, New York corporate globalism. It is, is that so bland, boring. or is that where power really is these days? I mean, I, I, you know, Zoe wrote a fine piece about um, Succession in the Spectator, just to flag it up, where she said, you know, Shakespeare was once writing about courts without writing about CEOs. Yeah. But then maybe CEOs are the kind of princelings of the twenty first century. I mean, I think. Okay, well, why boardroom... do you love? Why do you think Succession is is uh, merits its hype then? I do think the character, the multifacetedness of the characters. You know, there is a, you're right to say there is a, um, there's a lot of obscenity and I get annoyed with the amount of swearing. However, I think if you set anything in the 21st century, it will have insane quantities of swearing in it probably because that is seeping into how so much of, you know, everyday speech is conducted and actually shows like succession normalise swearing and you know, encourage that trend. So there's, there is a lot of comedy swearing in it, but there is also real sophistication of characterization. I do think these are extraordinarily multifaceted characters in whom your sympathies move around and i think the fact that none of them are actually none of them and all of them are sympathetic in the sense that it's not there's no clear morality of the piece it is four or five you know quite toxic relationships but people who are kind of bound together but also can't stand each other but can't dispense with each other and i think that i think it does capture something about a kind of family where a poison has sort of spread into all of their lives and yet you still get glimpses of when they're able to be innocent and carefree and they can recapture some of the kind of purity of those relationships but they are nonetheless poisoned by by the money and the power and the pressures and I, I, it's interesting. You said you thought Shiv was hands down the only sympathetic character, and I feel like Roman well, no. is also a very sympathetic there character so, at times. The, yeah, and Kendall the, is so desperately sad, and you do move constantly mm. through who you think is the. I didn't say she was only sympathetic. I said she was the only enjoyable. Mm. The others, it's just watching their mental problems unfold, unfolds, you yes. know, through drug-addled parties. She's like, more together than the other two, but she her, maybe her mental anguish is expressed differently. But, in but Tom, I mean, range. come on. A corporate drama, family drama. It's like a family fighting over who controls a, a media company in mm-hmm. America. And I'm being asked to look at this as a sort of 
high, you know, a drama of high passion and import compared. I mean, I don't know. What, how, where do you think? I mean, it clearly it know, does have Shakespearean pretensions, but it's been hollowed out by the, the, the sort of ironic, rude, you know, depthlessness of our age. So where do you think, you know, to what extent do you think the comparison with Shakespeare works with succession? I think language. I mean, I do think that you know, there are remarkable flights. There are some amazing set pieces of language. And I do think the writing is very good. You may disagree, but I do think the writing is actually very good. And this is a kind of crack team of people. Um, that there are brilliant witticisms, but then there are also these fantastic set pieces, like in the final season, Kendall's eulogy to his father. I do think there are these moments that, you know, it reaches for something grand. And I think it does succeed in kind of getting a different register than you normally get on television and that's part of its kind of theatricality there are moments where you make you, you say it's it's set in a particular kind of world of business but it's not really a naturalistic drama mm. like i don't think it has anything really to say about capitalism i don't really think it has anything to say about kind of murdoch or the empire these people are all kind of larger than life and i think if you you know if, if, if it's read allegorically i think it becomes a more interesting like you think kendall is larger than life I think they're all outsized characters. I think you the think whole Logan is... Roy, the grumbling, yelling patriarch played by Brian Cox, is, is anything more than just a shouty old man? But he's a shouty old man with a mystique, and that's the thing. And I think the, I think the, the writers are interested in the mismatch between the, the realities of and the squalid realities of Logan Roy and Logan Roy, this person whose name kind of travels around the world, who is sort of feared and, and loathed, and who, and who does have a you know, terrible impatience with the world around him. And do, you, and do you think that basically the corporate setting and the kind of jockeying for power over this like Murdoch-like company is the genuinely a, a modern day American equivalent of a, of a royal court? Well, I mean, here's an example. A, play, a, a programme that you very much enjoyed, Dave, but one might also scoff at in terms of are the stakes not a bit low? Borgen. Now, I mm. like Borgen. I think Borgen's great. But really, you know, who's going to be Prime Minister of Denmark? <laughs> Is that really like that was the important in Hamlet's day? Well, exactly. We're not Elsinore, Elsinore anymore. Yeah. Exactly. So I'm just saying. I mean, obviously, yeah. you can make dramas where the stakes might seem low. No, but and yet thinks... because the dynamics are so interesting that you that's know, true. That, that you're drawn in. But but Borgen doesn't. I suppose Succession thinks it, it's sort of drunk its own Kool Aid. Like it thinks it really is like the most powerful and dramatic game in town. Like corporate America. Does it has, make it the has mistake of thinking a lot of testosterone. I think that's the, it becomes a it becomes a mirror of the thing it thinks it's critiquing. So just yeah. as you could say, like Wall Street becomes this oversized boys club, you know, this macho thing. Succession, because it got so lauded, yeah. all the writers were writing it in the shadow of that sense of hype, and then it yeah. did ever it did become probably more and more self regarding. I thank God it ended when it did. I think it couldn't have done another season. Like it already in the final season, I felt you saw you saw it stretching. It was a little bit too pleased with itself. It was lingering a little too long on these, um, on the. But on there these wasn't characters. the same momentum. I mean, the the point of a, a Macbeth or a Shakespeare is that it the tragedy gathers momentum, uh, and it and it kind of culminates in a huge blowout. Um, and okay, true confession, I haven't seen the last two episodes. Oh my gosh! I was going to say so. You don't really know because I was going to say I've obviously, seen Logan die. 
that's an amazing episode. And the way that, like, the yeah, banality, yeah. I mean, just sort of, I mean, yeah. it's brilliant. The kind of, the black humour of Logan's death and the shocking... Very unlike a Shakespearean yes. death. Um, it's, a be- it's a Beckettian death. It's a, it's a brilliant death. Yeah. yeah, scrabbling for his phone. Yeah. So, okay, so death. do I, so should I persevere in order to see oh a Titanic it's ending? Interesting, it's interesting to me that you're not, you don't want to see the final piece. No, because I found it together. so boring. Okay, here's the test. I find theory. everything about Succession a chore. Everything, the characters, the subject, the language, the the visuals, the the self, the the, the pleased with itself. You don't, the but these, they just what about the virtuosity of the acting? Because you can say, look, I don't like this sleek, luxury, groomed. Well, kind I of expect the actors world, to be but, virtu- virtuous, but they're really very good. Like it's a, yeah, but that it's doesn't an confer pa- that doesn't give me pleasure in itself. I'm I'm interested in being entertained. Yeah, but I would say it's sort of, it's a bit like I, Claudius back in the day, which was a very high order of BBC drama like 50 years ago. But when you're watching actors of that calibre, you know, when it's Jacoby and it's John Hurt and it's, you know, Sean Phillips or whatever. What, you think Jeremy Strong is of that calibre? I think he absolutely is of that character. I mm. absolutely think he's of that calibre. And well, I think I, Claudius is not a bad comparator in terms of, again, power and family. They're good acting, and- Tom, but... What are they acting in? I mean, to me, it's irrelevant how good... I mean, Call the Midwife is perfectly good for me. <laughs> and the actors are perfectly good. And, you know, Listen. I can enjoy that because it's actually a nice, moving drama. Whereas yeah, yeah. It makes you watch, feel better about the human condition. Watching, well, it just makes you have, have entertainment. Whereas watching Succession just makes you feel dirty and alone. <laughs> and I have not... Yeah. Anyway, You've suffered through too up, many kind of brutalised conversations, yeah. But I'm just glad I've been able to get that off my chest. And I think that I, I think that the link really is about this sort of fascination with quite painful forms of um, violent masculinity. What I would say, without giving away the, the spoiler, is in the spirit of violent masculinity, maybe what's really interesting with Succession is that it interrupts... You think it's going to be the master patriarchal narrative. You know, and it's about the men and the lineage and so on. Yeah. And I would say a little bit like in Shakespeare, sometimes the subplots are more important than the main plots. Yeah. Um, you know, and it, it wrong foots you in terms yeah. of thinking. Well, that's clever. Yes. And I suppose the, the one interesting difference and, and maybe part of why Macbeth feels a bit um, sealed off or like. In Macbeth, the subplots don't no, kind of disrupt well, the main drama. Well, it's not drama. just that, but there is no issue in mm. Macbeth. I mean, Macbeth and Lady Macbeth, that's the whole point about. is they have no Charlesness, that's what it's about. It's yeah. about, and that's, and that's really interesting. And of course, the whole Sterility, their moral sterility is somehow related to So, the, right, so you can have this kind of, you know, Hamlet didn't yeah. either, but he was the child in a way. But Succession is obviously all about the, the, the offspring of yes. Logan. Yes, yes. And again, without giving any spoilers, Larry, when you get to the final episode, you will enjoy the way it thinks about biological futurity and other stuff as well. Oh, ah, yes. Of... Well, I'm aware that Shiv is pregnant. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay, we will not, yeah, we will yeah, not yeah. say too I'll much. To we will not say too much. It. Well, I think... But I think, well, like, just yeah. one thing interesting historically, because I think it is, it's not an accident, I suppose. Um, and I think there's, what's uh, 21st century parallels, I'm not sure. But, you know, one of the things we now know about Macbeth historically is it's one of the plays, obviously, that was written as the Scottish play for James I when he comes in as King of England. You know, he's been King of Scotland and he comes in and replaces Elizabeth. And Elizabeth, of course, had all been childless. You know, all of that stuff about succession and barrenness is what had been the dominant note of Elizabethan politics. The end of the 16th century, Elizabeth I didn't have any issue. And she was constantly being pressured to have children. She doesn't have children. Um, and so that, that battle in Macbeth is also an allegory for the country thinking about its own futurity and thinking about what comes next. Um, and I do think this thing about maybe the timeliness of succession in the 21st century is that maybe we are also thinking about what on earth we pass on. You know, and I do think we're living in a moment where people are quite anxious about 
these questions about transmission and inheritance and whether that's about the climate or whether that's about a kind of a capitalist system or democracy mm. i think we are thinking about being a new generation coming up and not and and finding it's quite bitter fruits what they're going to inherit from the older generation or that the new generation somehow is has either been betrayed by the older generation mm. or is a shadow of the old generation or is inadequate is inferior to what's gone before now maybe that's a common motif in a lot of literature and a lot of culture but i do think we feel it quite acutely these kind of gen- this question of generational tipping points between the boomers who have everything and the newcomers who are either unworthy or incapable of maintaining it that seems quite timely i think mm-hmm. I, yeah i think that that's um Probably the right analysis. Generational tension is the topic of a Radio 4 documentary that I'm currently pitching. Oh, really? With, with my producer, David. What, are you going to talk about succession, then? Um, no, we weren't going to talk about succession, but but actually it, it would work. But just the sheer... But the succession is funny because they, they kind of worship the father, but, mm. but you know, there's just a lot of rude dismissal of, of uh, the older generation, I think, now. But he's also um, gross, the father. I mean, it's, it's very aware that you both revere the father, true. but he's also a kind of... He is. The, he's the way gross, that he treats the women, he's a gross patriarch. Exactly. He's a gross repre- representative of a post-war world yeah. where those things look really do look disgusting to us. Um, he's, well, what, he's what the Freudians would call an obscene father of enjoyment. Ooh. He gets all the pleasure. He's like a disgusting pleasure sated. He had everything yeah. and there's nothing left for yeah. anybody else. Yeah, and, yeah. and he enjoys making them miserable, yes. more to the point. Um well, I think next time um, we will. Should we look at? We'll look at Maestro. Yeah, let's do Maestro. Because now I've just had a giant TV delivered, and I'm planning to watch Maestro. I think yeah. That's Another one that's interesting, and you know whether we do this or not, but people might be interested in is the Juliette Binoche taste. Oh, I'd of, love to see Taste of Things. Taste yeah. of Things, which looks like just the kind of heartwarming. And that does look antidote yes. to this rubbish. Well, and, 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 and like the, the thing that's furthest away from like Balkans in the 90s yes. that you can imagine. Let's have like 19th century French cooking. Yes, Let's have a exactly. Feast for the so so I'm, I'm also putting in my vote for that. But okay. yeah.